This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Would you be surprised to discover that the there is a Slavic messianism held that the Slavic people, especially the Russians, suffer in order that other European nations and eventually all humanity may be redeemed? It is true. And this theme had a profound impact on the development of Pan-Slavism and the Russian and Soviet imperialism. But that's not all. Messianic ideas appear in what are called the books of the genesis of the Ukrainian people. That's a book. Books of the genesis of the Ukrainian people in which universal equality and democracy are recognized as a revival of human society initially planned by God and faith in its future revival, all associated with faith in the death and resurrection of Christ. But that's not all. Here is the rest of the messianic virtue of Ukraine. Reborn Ukraine will expand universal freedom and faith in all Slavic countries and thus, designed by God, become an ideal society and will be restored. Ideal society will be restored. That's the vision, friends. That is the vision of Slavic messianism, particularly Ukrainian messianism. Is it any wonder, then, that the undercurrents that are invisible to the rest of the world, including the West, are driving forces concerning what's happening with Russia, what's happening with Ukraine, and what's happening in the areas of the Slavic world. But that's not all. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to explore the mystery of messianism. The mystery of messianism, that is messiahism, messianism, it is a seductive ministry. And like all other mysteries, like all other isms, it is also an ism, a basic truth around which many man-devised beliefs have been conceived and promoted throughout human history until this unique moment right now, in human history. So I welcome you aboard. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. It's conversation with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today, you are going to be revealed, it's going to be revealed to you how this idea of Messiah is prevailing in so many aspects of many religions of the world, both now and historically, and why it might be profoundly seductive. Seductive because if you just believe generally in some sort of a messianic idea, then everything's wonderful, everything's cool, you are religiously established for whatever happens. Is it any wonder, then, that Jesus foretold 
that deception and seduction would be the premier characteristics of these end times. The heart truth of messianism is the conviction or belief in the coming of a Messiah who serves as a savior or a liberator of a people or of all humanity. While rooted deeply in Abrahamic faiths, it also manifests in other religions with messianic-related concepts, including in Zoroastrianism, of course, Judaism with the Mashiach, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, and Baha'ism. Baha'ism. He whom God shall manifest, believe it or not. And we're going to see how these come together here today on Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny and the political correctness of our day, uh, uh, political correctness in uh, religion and uh, in every other aspect ensures that we not discriminate between other religious beliefs. That being the case, it ensures that the world recognizes and agrees with all other viewpoints concerning a Messiah. That being the case, it actually secures seduction and deception. You can see then how deceptive and how insidious political correctness has become. And so we're going to see how this plays out here on Viewpoint Today as we look at the mystery of Messianism. If you were to turn to or check out through Google, you would discover that Wikipedia has an entire section called Messianism. It is quite fascinating. An entire section called Messianism, which they say is the belief in the advent of a Messiah who acts as the savior of a group of people. We know about Judaism, the Messiah, Mashiach, Moshiach, all of these mean anointed one. It's a term used in the Hebrew Bible to describe priests and kings who were traditionally anointed. For example, if you were to look in the book of Isaiah, you would find a fellow by the name of Cyrus, also known as Cyrus the Great, the king of Persia. He, believe it or not, is referred to as God's anointed in the Bible. God's servant and his anointed. For that reason, some have actually said that he is a messianic kind of figure, a type of Christ, that is, Cyrus the Great. Well, you would never know that today, looking at the current status of Persia, now known as Iran, from 1935 and forward, especially from 1979 and forward with the Islamic Revolution. And so we're going to take a look at 
all of these various or many of these various religious expressions that all seem to claim a Messiah. But who is he? What does it mean? Are they all the same? Maybe it's time that we unveil the mystery of the ages. Maybe the mystery of the ages, as it relates to Messiah, has to do with this generalized idea or development of ideas by many different people groups of their own messiahs. And it's not limited just to religious groups. How about scientific messiah? How about environmental society uh, messiah? Oh, there are many different kinds of messiahs today more than you could possibly imagine. We'll talk only about the religious society here on Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. All of the various messianic ideas in the world are called messianisms. They are all isms, whether it be Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Zoroastrianism, Baha'ism, they're all isms. There's only one expressly and clearly defined Messiah who is not distinguished as part of an ism, and that is the Messiah of Christianity. So it would seem that that would engender some heart-probing consideration for a lot of people. So what we're going to do here uh, in the next portions of the broadcast is we're going to take a look at these various isms as well as a, a variety of historic or present movements that compound this messianic mystery of the ages. We're going to look first at a fellow by the name of Siddhartha Gautama. He lived in the foothills of northern India around 560 B.C. Having left his home and family as a young man, he wandered as a beggar for six years, self-sacrificing in order to attain spiritual illumination, which eluded him. He realized he had to look within himself, and he sat under a tree for three days, seeking spiritual ecstasy. Apparently, having accomplished his search, the holy man had become the Buddha, thus the rise of Messianic Buddhism. For 40 years, he wandered in northern India, spreading his message, which was, cease to do evil, learn to do good, and purify your heart. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Sounds biblical, doesn't it? Only when the sacred state of self-salvation revealed in the body or enlightenment was attained could one find the final peace he himself thought to attain as Buddha. 
So instead of a resurrection of the dead, Buddha believed in multiple reincarnations, whether as humans or animals, depending upon how they had lived their lives. So then what is Messianic Buddhism? It's the liberation and salvation theology of a Buddhist messiah who discovered what are called the four noble truths that he preached would relieve or free the mind from suffering, leading to nirvana, the Buddhist heaven, shall we say. So when we look at Buddhism, we find that actually it is a kind of self-salvation. So in a sense, you become your own messiah. You save yourself. You save yourself by sacrificing yourself. Now, there's nothing wrong with living a sacrificial life and so on. But the idea that you can save yourself and realize a level of enlightenment that basically exalts you to godhood, to where you have final peace in yourself, that might be a problem. Especially if you believe in the Bible. Now, there are... Believe it or not, there are two Buddhist messiahs. The two best-known Buddhist messiahs are the 14th century Dalai Lama, who was exiled from Tibet as a god king when the Chinese invaded and ultimately became the dominant religion of China. Therefore, it's arguably the most widely embraced religion worldwide, receiving predominantly in the West as Zen Buddhism which has taken over Hollywood. So Zen Buddhism has become a significant belief system in America, a religion of self-salvation, where you become Messiah. The other Buddhist Messiah is the Warathru, known as the terrorist monk of Myanmar, Myanmar. Under messianic directives, personal salvation, while ultimately attained by the self in pursuit of nirvana, has then been linked to national salvation with personal religion as a state religion. Therefore, you can see then how this kind of everybody becomes a messiah if as long as they pursue nirvana through self-sacrifice and uh, the four noble laws or truths, then the whole nation becomes saved. But to what end? All earthbound. All earthbound, no sense of eternity. So then we look at Confucianism, very Confucian. Confusionism, it's also a form of self-salvation where you become your own Messiah. Believe it or not, Confucius was China's most important teacher and religious philosopher. His religious and social and political philosophy is known, obviously, as Confucianism and became the foundation of Chinese life, education, and government for, believe it or not, two years. 
Confucianism, however, was not religion with its own gods. Instead, Confucius, like a vast number of Americans and Western Europeans, believe that all people are basically good and capable of self-salvation by leading a good and noble life. Yet, to no defined eternal end. In other words, it ends here. So you can see, while there is confusion, not just because of Confucianism, but because of all the diff- these different belief systems, Messianism has become a global mystery. And it has to be solved. Mysteries must be solved. And in my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, we attempt to do just that. Unveiling the mystery of the ages. In other words, ultimately solving the mystery of the ages, but having to look first at all of the various forms, ideas, that the world is pursuing, even now on the near edge of what Christians believe is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, if all of these belief systems, you see, these isms, these messianisms, are uh, in invading and holding people's minds and hearts, you can well understand, then, why the blindness will be so great and the deception across the world will be so unbelievable that Jesus' words, if it were possible, even the very remnant elect would be deceived and begin to understand why that might be. So how about the awaiting Hindu Messiah? We haven't talked about the Hindus yet, and it's a mystical religion. Believe it or not, there are, I'm told, about three million Hindu gods. So where are you going to get any kind of messianism out of three million Hindu gods? But there is. There's a strong messianic expectation in spite of this unbelievable polytheistic nature that is absent a supreme being. So Hinduism believes in the unity of everything. This totality is called Brahman that says we are all part of God. So it should be obvious then that Hindu beliefs underlie much of what is called New Age spirituality and the emerging religious foundation of the New World Order. That's right. It has to be there because the New World Order, you see, has to unify the people into one belief system, one expectation of a kind of uh, global nirvana, whatever that might be, that will unify the world into one great exercise of peace and tranquility for all time. But, as I said, there are perhaps millions of gods, deities, in Hinduism. But there's a hierarchy. The top three are Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Vishnu is worshipped as a savior. 
and is second in rank after Brahma. Krishna is the eighth incarnation of the god Vishnu and is one of the special avatars in Hinduism. And believe it or not, it is contended that Jesus was an incarnation of Krishna. And they expect that there will be a new incarnation of the avatar who will be known as the Kalki avatar and he will be riding on a white horse. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Revelation chapter 19, Jesus, Messiah, returning on a white horse. The Kalki avatar of Hinduism is going to fight, they say, the apocalyptic snake and achieve final victory over evil on earth, renewing humanity to lead a pure and honorable life. So the messianic expectations of all religions, then, according to Hinduism, will be fulfilled in the Kalki avatar called the world Messiah. So now we have another Messiah, the world Messiah. Hinduism claims they have a handle on it, and uh, it's confirmed. So then what, what do Hindus believe about Jesus? Well, to the Hindus... Jesus' proclamation, the Father and I are one, actually confirms the belief that everyone through rigorous spiritual practice can realize his own universal God consciousness. Which, by the way, is at the very heart of New Age religion, which has its own unique messianic flavor. Have you heard the name Deepak Chopra? Well, Deepak Chopra declared Christ consciousness, God consciousness, and Krishna consciousness, and Buddha consciousness, it's all the same thing. So, he says, this consciousness says, you and I are the same beings, which means we are all gods needing no personal savior. Our only need is for a worldwide Kalki avatar, or New Age Messiah, to bring universal peace. Are you beginning to see how the world is set for massive deception? Already deceived. The casual person, reader, or whatever, may be prone to reason that since all of these religions seem to believe the world is nearing the end of the age, or kind of a a fulcrum moment of cataclysmic change, and that a Messiah-like figure is going to bring universal peace, well, they must be referring to the same thing, right? Coinciding with a Christian biblical expectation of the second coming of Messiah, Yeshua. Shouldn't that then unify humanity in a universal hope, bringing one world unity? Well, unfortunately, that kind of conclusion or thinking may be a deceptive sleight of hand seducing billions of unsuspecting people on this planet in the name of global spirituality to embrace a counterfeit Messiah. Hmm. So if the Messiah is defined in these various ages as ultimately the self, what of Jesus or Yeshua 
who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will come to the Father but by me, and that you must be saved. You must repent of your sin and be saved. And he died to save us from our sin, rose again to give us the hope of eternal life and salvation if we would walk with him in spirit and in truth. Radical difference from all of these other ideas of a Messiah. Yet they all have messianic fervor. You see, what's characterizing our time right now is growing messianic fervor. Can you be sincerely seduced? Is there such a thing as being sincerely seduced? The reality of our readiness to be seduced, notwithstanding our professed beliefs to the contrary, is absolute proof that we're not the right combination of circumstances We're prone to succumb. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Today on Viewpoint, we're taking a look at uh, the mystery of messianism, which is talking about expectations of a messiah, various ideas in various religions throughout the world, and even beyond those religions. But today we focus specifically on those religious beliefs, and uh, it is fascinating, it really is fascinating to see uh, how all of these things seem to be setting the stage for you being your own self-conceived, self-generated Savior. Well, that introduces us to the next on the agenda, Baha'i. You may or may not have even heard of Baha'i. It's a relatively new religion. And it purports to bring final resolution to solidify our confusion as to the messianic mystery of the ages. So let's see what happens. Before we get into that, I want to make available to you my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. I don't believe there's ever been a book written like this. And the reason is because it was written for this unique moment of time to help us to understand why the world is not ready necessarily to receive Yeshua or Jesus as Messiah, including Judaism. Because Judaism is also an ism 
that does not believe and is not expecting a divine Messiah. They're looking for a man, like Moses. But they deny looking for a divine Messiah. They have to uh, declare that they're not looking for a divine Messiah. Otherwise, they would be subject to horrific criticism for rejecting Jesus. But they reject Jesus because ultimately he claimed to be divine. He claimed to be the Son of God. And so they crucified him. Therefore, at the very heart of Judaism is self-salvation. Because there is no ultimate divine Messiah no one who can cleanse you from your sin, and therefore you're living according to law, and if you don't make the law, you are, if you don't obey the law with precision, and you have no sacrifices for your sin, the only way you can be saved is through good works. It's called the salvation of good works, and that's exactly what the Apostle Paul warned about. That's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about uh, that God had somehow reneged on his Ten Commandments. If God had reneged on his Ten Commandments, he would have reneged on himself. No, he was talking about all of these various dependency upon all these different laws, uh, the Mishnah, and all of these other Uh, things, writings of the Jewish rabbis and so on, they added rule upon rule upon rule, law upon law upon law, and the people could not bear all of that. They had to save themselves. They had to ritualistic obey all of those things, or they were out. Now, we take a look at Baha'i after we have looked at how you can get a copy of Messiah unveiling the mystery of the ages. It's my latest book, $22. Right there on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Somebody might say, well, why would you call it Save America Ministries? You're not talking about politics. You're not talking about all the things that everybody else is talking about. Why would you call it Save America Ministries? Well, that's a good question. I have been asked that question. And here's the issue. America, at its founding, was not political. It was spiritual. Yes, there were civic ideas and laws or rules that were established in order to govern themselves back in the times of uh, the, the Pilgrims and the Puritans in 1620 and 1630. But ultimately... Their driving force was spiritual. All you had to do was read their writings, and you knew that. 
You knew that. So it was not until we had a constitution and that was adopted in, what was it, 1789, 1790. And so since then, we ended up with a political institution called the United States of America. But even our Constitution admits in its preamble that it's not about a political institution. It's about a people. We, the people. Therefore, Save America Ministries is not about a political institution. It's about a people. We, the people. We the people, I have above the broadcast desk, engraved in brass, the Declaration of Independence. Below that is a beautiful representation of our logo, Save America. Underneath that, rebuilding the foundations of faith and freedom. You see, faith was the foundation of freedom. Without the faith, there was no freedom. Faith lost, freedom lost. Therefore, we focus primarily on the spiritual aspects, even though we'll still talk about the political. Yes, it's still relevant, but the most relevant aspect is the spiritual. That's why we do that. Just so you know. Now, so what happens if you gain the whole world? Let's suppose you gain back a perfect example of your thoughts concerning the political institution known as the United States of America. What do you have? You have an earth-based system. It will not endure to eternity. No system ever has. So, ultimately, you have almost a form of self-salvation. If we can just save the political institution called the United States of America, we can save ourselves. That can be a form of messianism, or, to put it another way, idolatry. I love my country. I do. I'm very patriotic. Always have been since I was 10 years of age. Everybody around me knew that. But ultimately, our life does not consist of the abundance of our possessions, including our country. Because, as the Scripture says, we seek another country or another city, as the book of Hebrews puts it. A city with foundations whose builder and maker is God not man. When we slip off of the cusp of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then begin to seek other things as our salvation expectation, even the restoration of some form of Americanism, We actually have missed the point and have slid into one of the traps of messianism because 
that idea causes us to begin to think of ourselves as a collective, either individual or collective Messiah. God says all the nations are as a drop in the bucket from his viewpoint. That doesn't mean he doesn't show favor to some nations for a period of time that obey his voice. But he does say all the nations are as a drop in the bucket. You read that in the book of Isaiah. Now we take a look at Baha'i and the promised one. Will this relatively new religion of Baha'i bring final resolution or satisfy the confusion to the messianic mystery of the ages? Well, here's what the Baha'i faith teaches in summary. The essential worth of all religions and the unity of all people. It was established in the 19th century, 1800s, by Baha'u'llah and embraces three principles. One, the unity of God. Number two, the unity of religion. And number three, the unity of humanity. So the Baha'u'llah taught that religion is revealed in an orderly and progressive way by manifestations of God, who are the founders of the world's major religions. So the most recent of which is called Bab, followed by the prophet Baha'u'llah. At the heart of Baha'i teachings is a unified world order ensuring universal prosperity without any nationalism or racism. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't have a familiar ring? Baha'i believes that the world, as we know it, is at the end of the age. And from their viewpoint, it's revealed in maximum moral and spiritual decline and therefore awaits the coming of the Hindu Kalki avatar that will fulfill all the prophecies of Lord Krishna. Hmm, this sounds like a real mix-up. Bringing all the religions together? Stay tuned, friends. We're going to find out a little bit more about Baha'u'llah. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. If you've ever wondered what the teachings of a new world order would be, welcome to Baha'i. Baha'i believes the world as we know it is at the end of the age. 
And you can argue with them because they see maximum moral and spiritual decline. Therefore, they believe, Baha'i believes, in their teaching, that that reveals that the Hindu Kalki avatar will come as Messiah to save the world. Baha'i envisions a synthesis of all religions merging the desirable aspects of each to the fleshly human mind in a religious stew, you might say, of spiritualized promises of global peace, prosperity, or, dare we say, shalom. That reveals the utopian fulfillment of some kind of an amorphously defined messianic age seductive to ever-growing masses desiring maximum inclusivity with minimal behavioral and spiritual demands. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes, and so it should be obvious that both genuine followers of Jesus with absolute commitment to the Bible is the Word of God, as well as even serious, sober-minded Orthodox Jews would of necessity be excluded from the so-called inclusivity of this emerging new world religion. And so they will be subject, you will be subject, to what is called the selection process. The selection process is the term given for the globalized persecution to either compel conformity by threat or force or have your life selectively removed from the planet so as not to negatively impact the rising, glorious, utopian fervor and fever. So, this connects us with New Age religion. It is all part of it. New Age religion doesn't have a clear definition. It is the gathering together of the religions of the world such that everybody can believe whatever they want to believe. Nobody dare say that their religious view is true because to do so is to defy the unity of humankind. Now, what we see then should be obvious to some, every sincere and sober-minded person that this perceived messianic moment is now defined by a rapidly progressing merger of all the rivers and tributaries of history and prophecy that are surging right now with incredible pressure toward a culminating event promising either worldwide peace or the cataclysmic fruit of devastating seduction. And sincerity alone is not going to provide a bridge, nor are good intentions to be an eternal lifesaver during this uh, tremendous pressure to believe everything. New Agers refer to this phenomenon as the convergence. The convergence. And believe it or not, Pope Francis is helping to be a facilitator of it. So, as we continue to unveil the mystery of the ages here, we need to take a further look at Baha'i. 
is quite amazing. Baha'i provides what they call the teachings for the new world order. It's like rebuilding the ancient Tower of Babel, the spirit of which never departed from God-defying humanity and determined to democratically define our own destiny without divine submission. And the world's elite have determined that the time is very short and that what we do has to be done quickly. Due to the brevity of time and space, the quick transition has to be distilled quickly. And for that, we return to the World Tribune, May 17th, 2021, and the headline reads, The Great Reset Timeline from 2014 to 2021, a seven-year period. Now, that has been extended to 2030. The world's wealthiest and most powerful have jumped on the bandwagon, and now it is necessary for the Great Reset to come to its fruition through a religious reset to unite the peoples of the world in one common belief. A self-salvation so that mankind will have finally reached this divine pinnacle where everybody is honored as becoming gods in their own right. So by doing that, it removes all cause forever and dissension. You can understand if everybody's a god, you can't argue with God, and therefore we're all brought into this kind of heaven-on-earth absolute harmony referred to as, you could say, utopia. But what is this universal teaching or dogma that undergirds this vision? That brings us to the Baha'i teachings for the New World Order. In my book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages is a copy of the front cover of a little booklet called Baha'i, Teachings for the New World Order. It proves what we're saying here and what I write about in the book. And we're not here to promote what Baha'i says, but actually only to share what Baha'i says in order to understand why it is seen as perhaps the unifying religious vision principles for the end of the age. So, <clears throat> these principles are excerpts from the public presentations uh, of Abdul Baha in America in 1912, they were published in what was called the Promulgation of Universal Peace. These principles, listen carefully, these principles that form the foundation not only of the Baha'i faith, but also of its embrace by the United Nations, which both Pope Francis and Pope Benedict XVI have declared to be the unifying hope of humanity, and even called for a greater supranational body for the universal common good 
and for a new evangelization of society. It's amazing. It is utterly amazing what is taking place. So here are these Baha'i principles. It's, you could say, in effect, it's a new gospel for a global oneness, unity, and peace to word to which the world's peoples must be evangelized. Here they are. The oneness of mankind, universal peace upheld by a world government, independent investigation of truth, in other words, everybody's truth is their own, the common foundation of all religions, the essential harmony of science and religion, equality of men and women, elimination of prejudice of all kinds, universal compulsory education, in other words, dictating to people what they must believe, a spiritual solution to economic problems, and a universal auxiliary language so that everybody is speaking the same thing. Sounds like the Tower of Babel, doesn't it? Except this is profoundly spiritual in nature. It's just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Baha'i beliefs are increasingly becoming the foundation and unifying force of the United Nations beliefs and are therefore, through decades of papal proclamations, being merged with Vatican geopolitical and spiritual views, thus making them congruent. So, What does Baha'i say in its 2003 edition? The world's equilibrium has been upset through vibrating influence of this most great, this new world order. Mankind's ordered life has been revolutionized through the agency of this unique, this wondrous system, the like of which mortal eyes have never witnessed. Unification of the whole of mankind is the hallmark of the stage which human society is now approaching. World unity is the goal towards which a harassed humanity is striving. Nation building has come to an end. The anarchy, by the way, you can understand, this is why they all hated Donald Trump. He said, we're going to make America great. We're going to make America great again. They said, no way, no how. We're not about nation building about anymore. We're about nation degenerating so that they could all be merged into a one-world unified whole. Baha'i goes on to say, The anarchy inherent in state sovereignty is moving towards a climax. A world must abandon this fetish, recognize the oneness and wholeness of human relationships, and establish once for all the machinery that can best incarnate this fundamental principle of its life. Now, it should be obvious that this kind of language is virtually indistinguishable from that which is coming from papal pens of the last three popes, especially and dramatically by the proclamations of Pope Francis. But where does it lead? It leads to the miraculous merger of geopolitics and man-centered religion 
and Baha'i makes clear the end game of Vatican vision and globalist Protestant promoters. Here's what they say. The unity of the human race, as envisioned, implies the establishment of a world commonwealth in which all nations, races, creeds, and classes are closely and permanently united. This commonwealth must consist of a world legislature whose members will, as the trustees of the whole of mankind, ultimately control the entire resources of all component nations and will enact such laws as shall be required to regulate the life, satisfy the needs, and adjust the relationships of all races and people. They go on to say, a world executive backed by an international force will carry out the decisions arrived at and apply the laws enacted by this world legislature. A world tribunal will adjudicate and deliver to compulsory and final verdict in all and any disputes. A mechanism of world intercommunication will be devised, embracing the whole planet, freed from national hindrances and restrictions and functioning with marvelous swiftness and perfect regularity. It will be a system in which force is made the servant of justice, whose life is sustained by its universal recognition of one God, the merger of all religions, and by its allegiance to one common revelation, the Baha'i faith, such as the goal towards which humanity, impelled by the unifying forces of life, is moving. Hmm. So, you might be prepared for the soon manifestation of the United Nations Savior, my friend. Your allegiance is going to be compelled by force. As Pope Francis decreed, quote, one world government is the only way to save humanity. How about a messiah? No, don't need a messiah anymore. We need a world government, says Pope Francis. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of the book, Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It'll be eye-opening, heart-opening. $22 on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA, write to us, and enable us through your partnership, friends, to get the message out more broadly until Jesus comes. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.